Chant it out. Chant it out. Hello and welcome to episode 167 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, telling stories from the LAFC community and the MLS community, match by match, fan by fan, story by story. As always, it's your boy Johnny Gringo here. Today, we are going to be bringing you up to speed on all things Real Salt Lake. Joining us at the moment, Marcos Pickett. You can follow him at MPIC10 and he is the co-host of the RSL Bros. Give them a follow at RSL Bros. Marcos, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you so much for having us. I'm I'm excited to be here. We have a massive, massive game coming up this weekend. I I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but if you look at the standings, it's quite compacted at the moment, one might say. And gosh, three points might be the world of difference for either of our teams at the moment. Current look at the standings would have LAFC currently sitting in second place at 45 points. RSL. Fifth place, 43 points, just two points away. So let's kind of back it out for a second. Let's big picture. And let's talk about what the feeling has been around the RSL fan base throughout the course of this season. What are the current vibes going into this weekend? Yeah, this season for RSL has been kind of a bit of a roller coaster. We've had our beginning of the season, we were in that little bit of a slump with losing a bunch of games against St. Louis. 4-0, 3-0 a couple times. And then we got to the summer months where we were in about a nine-game winning streak. Um, Things were kind of weird. We're like, we're not used to winning on the road. What's what's going on? And then we get to League's Cup where that's when things went from bad to worse, getting knocked out by you guys in the the League's Cup. And then we get uh, knocked out in the U.S. Open Cup, losing all hope of hosting Messi here which was very sad for RSL fans. And then things went from bad to worse with Musowski not showing up for a whole month from practice to games. And now with the whole situation with Saverino. So how is that affecting the fan base? I mean, you guys are still right there. Middle of the pack for the playoff hunt. I mean, really two wins away from a commanding second place. I mean, there's still, I believe, even statistically a chance that you could make first place in the West at this point. So yes, there's, there's been some noise in the background and we're going to dive into some of that noise here in a second, but still got Chicho Arango. You still got a, a, a lineup that is capable of winning on every given day. And as you alluded to, a road form that has been remarkably impressive this season. It feels like all the state media podcasts out there, the extra times of the world seem like they want to just talk about how good Seattle is on the road. And everyone's like, Oh, Seattle, such great road form this season. Uh, They've got six, five and four on the road this season. Y'all are six, five and three on the road this season. You're, you're one point away from the mighty road form of Seattle. Why do you think that is not getting as much attention outside of Utah as it should? I would say maybe one. Um, we're just not – nobody's used to us being up there. Everybody's used to, like you said, the Seattles, the LAFCs, the, the big-name guys being the top of the, the table and the road. So it's it's different for, for the league to be seeing these these smaller these smaller market teams be up there with the, the bigger-name guys winning on the road. I, I mean, to a certain extent, yes, but I, I feel like the, all the conversation <clears throat> for road form this year seems to be about how good St. Louis and how good Seattle are in the West. And I just find it astonishing that RSL 
isn't getting more respect for the form that they've been able to put in on the road. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the roster. And obviously, Danny Mazowski is someone that is very near and dear to the hearts of those of us here in, in LAFC. When he was traded to y'all and we heard it was with the assurance that he would get a new contract. I think that helped ease the burden for everyone here in the black and gold because Danny Mazowski is someone who deserves to get paid. He's a consistently a double digit scorer virtually every season racks up. I mean, he's never going to be a Messi, an Arango, a Buanga. He's never going to be one of those types of talents. But for a consistent 10 goal, 10 assist type talent year in and year out, it seems astonishing yeah. that he hasn't got the pay raise that by all accounts he was guaranteed. And despite him sitting out for a month and training away from the team, he is back and yet no new contract. So what's going on, my yeah. friend? Yeah, so he sits out for a month expecting to get re-signed, higher pay raise, because if you know Rubio Rubin, uh, he had a breakout season a couple of seasons back, and then he gets paid six figures. So he was expecting same kind of thing that Rubio Rubin gets. Sits out a month, nothing changes. He's had a, a decent season so far, five goals, four assists, so better than what we're, we've seen in the past from him. So I, I would like to see that happen because – if you do so well, then you get your reward. But RSL hasn't given that to him quite yet. He is your leading scorer, is he not? I believe that is. Let me look at the stats real quick. It is Savarino. Savarino's at six. Ah, uh, okay. So he's in the top two scorers on the team, making less yep. than 100K a year. When yeah, one would so think a 5 to 10 goal scorer should be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars range. Right, right. So something doesn't seem right. If you're doing that well on the team, contributing to goals, you should be making more money. But RSL doesn't see it that way, which is sad. Speaking of former black and gold members, there's there's another one on your team that our fans uh, are still a little bitter about. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Chicho and how he has endeared himself to the RSL faithful. Yeah, so... He's only been around for just a couple of months. And in a couple of months, he's been attributed five goals and one assist. Um, he's been a great goal scorer for us. It's it's sad, sad, sad to see him go from LAFC. He did so well for you guys. Um, but he's because we needed that goal score because we really have nobody to come off the bench. All we have is Rubin, um, Krylock, Anderson, Julio. But they don't bring that tenacity, that goal scoring ability that Chito does. And, He's been that good, good leader that we need up top. Well, as our friends at Defenders at the Bank like to say, for cry locking out loud, uh, he has been a thorn in our side for many a many a game. So it was certainly a stacked roster, but obviously the return of Chicho Arango to Major League Soccer is a big deal for the league. He's a prolific talent. Uh, I wish the Absolutely. roster constraints hadn't forced LAFC to part ways with him. Um, that's a, a disappointing thing that, let's be honest, if, it had happened one year later. The roster relief would have finally been legislated to the point where LAFC could have kept him. And no, we're not bitter. Yes, yes, we're very, very bitter about uh, how things transpired yeah. roster-wise at the end of last season. It's, it's definitely one of those. I'm surprised that LAFC got rid of him because he did so well with Bella and, and, and Bawanga in MLS Cup and then to win support shield, but they, they couldn't keep him around, so... I'm glad that we were able to pick him up. 
Yeah, I guess we should have uh, made our third kit pink this year so we could have an extra DP, but uh, that's a conversation <laughs> for another podcast, I guess. Um, outside of the recognizable names to the black and gold community, the former LAFC players that are on your roster, uh, run us through who you think are some of the other stars and who are you think are some of the other role players that are going to feature for this team on Sunday. Names that might be household names in Utah. Uh, but outside of Sandy Lake, certainly here in sunny Los Angeles, might not be names that the casual fan is really familiar with. Yeah, so a, a player to keep an eye on is Brian Vera. So if you if you've watched him, he's already scored two remarkable free kicks. One important is against Vancouver, where he scored about a thirty yard free kick, where the keeper for Vancouver was kind of tricking him coming off his line, and Vera was like, "I'm I'm going to take it," so he takes it. And then, likewise, he scored another free kick a couple of games back against the Colorado Rapids. So he's a player to keep an eye on, our center back. Another player to keep an eye on, I would say, is probably Ojeda. He's kind of he's in that step-up role with Pablo Ruiz being out for the season with his injury that he had against LAFC. So Ojeda's been having to play double duty with, with him and Nelson Palacio, uh, who just re- recently came onto our squad over the summer. So those two are trying to have it to play double duty and step up huge. Coming to LAFC, LAFC is a team that historically throughout the first five seasons were a very possession dominant, slow build style of offense in the new Torundolo era. LAFC have been the complete opposite surrendering possession, counter-pressing, and, and trying to create goals in, in the frenetic, quick build-up style. How do you think RSL is going to match up against a team that does not want the ball 50-60% of the time? And what do you think are going to be the tactics RSL is going to have to employ, whether it's formationally or small battles, when they come to BMO Stadium to take on LAFC? Yeah, so if you're used to RSL ball, we're used to having possession. That that's how we control. We can just control the midfield, and we're we're kind of like that that ticky talky. But with, with Pablo, it's usually play the ball on on the wings and just cross it in. So, like you said, it, it's going to be very difficult for RSL to get a, get used to that because LAFC plays very attack minded. So trying to control the likes of Bella, Bowanga, and even Tillman, and, and maybe Acosta that will be kind of tricky for our, our, our wing backs to stop because Brody, if you remember the, the last game, Brody can't stop uh, Bawanga. Brody isn't fast to, to, to stop Bawanga at all. So that will be an interesting matchup to see what, what changes they can change from, from the previous game. You do have a slight advantage that uh, today at time of recording Wednesday, this evening, LAFC will be taking part in the Campeones Cup. Um, True. Probably not something at the beginning of the season that many members of the black and gold community circled on the calendar as what was going to be an eventful date. Uh, But uh, similarly, after crashing out of the U.S. Open Cup, the Campeones Cup, sliding down in the standings to where winning first seed in the West and a supporter shield uh, ran Cincinnati ran away with the supporter shield this year. So. This might be LAFC's first legit chance to hoist a, a cup. Uh, since playing in the CCL finals and sadly losing both legs to Leon. But this game all of a sudden became very important for the black and gold today. So I have a feeling they're going to throw primarily the first team out here on Wednesday. 
which gives Thursday, Friday, Saturday off three days rest before the big game on Sunday. Are you anticipating playing against a heavily rotated LAFC squad? Or are you looking forward to playing against a first team that's only had three days of rest? You know, just thinking about that, because I, I totally forgot as a couple of days ago about this this game today against Tigres, that kind of makes me happy slash nervous because, yes, they might be going all out against Tigres. You'll have the likes of Bulanga, Vela, all these star players coming out. But then they'll have a couple of days of rest because who knows, maybe they'll play 45 minutes and then rest them. But you look at LF, LASC squad, they're still very deep on the bench. Like that, that still makes me, makes me very nervous. Well, I think that's refreshing to hear because I think most of us have been very disappointed with the production our bench has had, certainly of late. Uh, LAFC post-CCL has been a very different squad than LAFC pre-CCL. Uh, so that certainly um, brings us to the game. So Sunday. 5 p.m. Uh, here Pacific time, 6 p.m. for all y'alls is. Um, what do you think are going to be the key matchups that RSL are going to have to win out there on the field, the key tactical breakdowns in order for them to walk away with three points on the weekend? Yeah, uh, strong defense. We've, we've seen multiple times RSL just gives away that early goal, and then we just play we just play flat, and we just, we just play – we stop playing. So if we just don't give away that early goal, we control the midfield, then I think we can be able to stop that and then stop the likes of Bawanga and Vela and just keep an eye on him at all times. Because we saw in the League's Cup, we saw in the regular season when we played LAFC, it was just all Bawanga up top, and we can't let that happen, as well as Ordaz, because Ordaz coming off the bench, that, that young striker, he he is he's a he's a fast, cheeky little player. Uh, we love ourselves some Nathan Ordaz around here. We've known him since he was a little kid, right? Um, he was in the North End with me, cheering on in the 3252 when he was an academy talent. And to watch him you gotta, have the you gotta love those academy players. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a trip, right? Obviously, uh to see someone go from being a child to being a professional athlete on the field wearing the kit and scoring goals. Um, not so sure Ordaz is going to get a whole lot of minutes on the weekend uh, with some of the additions to the roster, the likes of the Kike Oliveras and things like that, uh, Mario Gonzalez, that have shown up to kind of push him a little further down the depth chart. I think if Ordaz is getting in the game, the score is probably going to be pretty wild one direction. Um, so either we're creaming you or we're getting smoked, one or the other. But uh, as far as your prediction for the starting 11 and the formation you expect to roll out, lay it on us. Yeah, so for uh lineup for this one, I see pretty similar to the one that we played against um, Vancouver over the weekend. Maybe the, the slight change, I would bring in Brody instead of Oviedo just because Oviedo has played three matches in a row. So have Oviedo have that rest. And then I want to see the likes of Justin Glad, Vera in our center back along with Anelli. And then who knows? Who knows if Sabrino is going to be back with all that's going on. Um, so I want to just keep with that same midfield just because they did so well. Have the likes of Diego Luna, Gomez on either side, and the likes of Ojeda, Palacio in that defensive mid with Chicho and Moose up top. So that would be a stellar, stellar attack right there. Yeah, having Chicho and Moose up top, that's a good lineup. Uh, it's okay. Um, we will survive. We will survive. So you're uh, anticipating a traditional 4-3-3? I, I would say a four three three. I 
I wish RSL would eventually go back to the Jason Christ days of that 4-4-2 diamond because we saw back in the day when we had Javier Morales and all that, that, that worked so well. But Pablo is so st- stuck in sticking to this 4-3-3 and it's been decent, but not what what's helping us. Yeah, I feel like there's a tactical regression taking place across MLS for a lot of teams where it seems like, Four three three and four four two is kind of like what everyone's doing, and, and they're just kind of simplifying things a little bit this season. Where in seasons past, it seems like teams were a little bit more adventurous uh, in putting together formations, and that's something I'd like to see the the league kind of grow back into. I think just you know continually watching four three threes take on four three threes every single week uh, can get a little a little annoying. Of course, LAFC then threw a, a wrench in that and and played a back three this last game versus Philadelphia, which was a a thrilling nil-nil, two shots on and nothing on goal for either team. Uh, So maybe that wasn't the greatest, but uh, it was played in the middle of a tropical storm with a downpour and 30, 40 mile an hour wind. So we'll give them a, we'll give them a slide. So for for Sunday's game, what kind of, uh, what kind of lineup do you see LASC coming out with? Well, it's interesting, right? I think it, it depends heavily on whether or not Chirondolo decides to throw the kitchen sink at Tigres or not. Mm-hmm. Um, given where we are in the standings and the importance of an MLS Cup, and certainly given the fact that LAFC have not had a great road performance this year, being able to get points at home in this final stretch, if Chirondolo decides to prioritize that, and we see a rotated lineup, or at least not the quote-unquote 1A lineup versus Tigres tonight, that could radically change what we see on Sunday. But I have a feeling Chirundolo is going to start his A team in both games and see how long they can go, uh, which means I think you'll probably see Killini Murillo or Killini Long on the back line, some rotation of the two of them. Uh, Murillo and Long have really been kind of matchup-based, um, but typically when Giorgio Chiellini is in there, we feel our most confident. So I would imagine versus both Tigres and versus RSL, we would probably see Chiellini and then some combination of of Long Murillo. Uh, Palacios Hollingshead or Palacios Palencia, to be honest, uh, Hollingshead and Palencia have been somewhat interchangeable. Hollingshead seems to be the one who gets the call when we need a more offensive-oriented game, and uh, Palencia seems to be the one we get when we need a more defensive-oriented game. So that that to me is very curious as to which of these two games Dolo wants to be more offensive minded and which one yeah. he wants to be more defensive minded. I would stake a guess that versus Tigres tonight, he will go with Palencia on the outside back and will save Hollingshead for Sunday. Midfield, I think Bogush has established himself in the midfield. Ilya Sanchez is our rock. When he is not there, we are a different team. So I would imagine he starts both games in the defensive midfield role. And then between... Uh, you know, Timothy Tillman, who's had some up and down performance throughout the season. There are games in which he looks like a world-class player and people are talking about him getting call-ups for the USMNT. And then there are games where uh, he does not look at his best. So I think, you know, between him and Acosta, Acosta seems to have the edge at the moment. Although frustratingly for the LAFC fans, he seems to be a very different player in the domestic league than he has been for the national team. And I think you guessed it. Up top, it's Vela Buanga. And now the real question for the black and gold has been Mario Gonzalez, who has not really commanded that number nine shirt that he was given this summer, seems to be losing a little bit to the winger Kike Oliveira, who has produced and looked pretty good 
in the last few games. So that's going to be the real question as to who takes that third forward position or do LAFC just keep both Tillman and Acosta in uh, slide Bogush into a more advanced role, which we've seen them do throughout the season and just play really with, with two forwards up top and then sort of Bogush playing the false nine role behind it that, that Vela frankly typically occupies when he's there anyway. Um, so that's what I mean. I would say no one, no one knows. Uh, and Dolo's no one knows. Been, no, Dolo's been pretty good about moving it around this year, but it will be some combination of those. Uh, and I think the rest of the players we've talked about, uh, you know, the Ordaz is the Stipe Bukes of the world, um, are all going to be relegated to the bench. Now, how's the how's the chemistry been so far with uh, Bawanga and Bella thus far this season? Well, obviously, I mean, there's the big moment that everyone saw on television where, you know, Vela's wide open, Bawanga, who is very linear. When he gets the ball, he is looking at the goal. And if he doesn't get to the goal, he's going to the end line and he's going to throw a cross in, right? I mean, and that's that's how Bawanga operates. He doesn't incredibly well at this, but it is very one-dimensional, right? I mean, he's getting the ball, he's going to goal. So I think one thing that LAFC have struggled with across the board with anyone not named Carlos Vela is deciding to pass or shoot. And it just seems in every moment when they should have passed, they shot. And when they should have shot, they they passed, right? And that seems to be a frustration point for everyone in the black and gold community. And I can see that frustration on the pitch between Vela and Buanga. However, you know, uh, in, in talking to both of them off the field, they are big fans of each other and love what each other do. They can get frustrated at a decision and at a moment. And that frustration, you know, Vela is a very very charismatic person and his his body language speaks a lot when he is out there on the pitch but that is not always indicative of where his mindset is at that's just just an emotional man and he responds with emotion in the moment i i don't feel that there is a chemistry issue between the two of them or between anyone in the locker room Uh, my experience with all these players is that if someone is not a big part of the locker room chemistry that person goes away and that's something that this team values very highly and Vela in what appears to be his final season. I, I, you know, I mean, I don't think anyone's convinced that he's coming back next year. So I, I think this is at least his last MLS season. If he goes to play one more year, it might be, you know, back in Spain, back in Mexico, who knows for a swan song. But I think by all accounts from everyone on the inside, Vela is on his way to retirement. So I don't think like getting in a locker room dust up is something that even crosses his mind this season. You know, he's just trying to go out with some glory. Yeah, yeah, you gotta gotta end on a high note. Gotta gotta win one last trophy for LAFC tonight. So we'll we'll see if that happens. Gotta get a little little preview before Sunday's huge matchup. And going by, uh, going back to what you said about kind of conflict, RSL's kind of been seeing that same kind of ordeal. Obviously, with the Musovski with the Sava saga that's been going on, which is sad to see. Like you said, with Musovski's been asking for higher pay and all that. He sat out for a whole month. And I, I guess I, I'm not sure, but it seems like Pablo sat down with Musovski and said, hey, let's figure this out at the end of the season. And then Musovski comes back because it just doesn't seem right to be leaving your squad middle of the season right before you have four games left, right before playoffs and all this. Do you see Musovski back next year? He's a pending free agent, I believe, at the end of the season. Given the bad blood that's happened, <laughs> given him sitting out a whole month, give not yeah. he didn't get the contract extension that, by all accounts, that his team 
And certainly uh, other people that we know in, in the soccer reporting world have said he only went to RSL because they promised him a contract. He shows up, he yeah, doesn't yeah. get the contract. I would be hard-pressed to think he's going to hang around. Yeah, like, yes, he's had a decent season for RSL, five goals, four assists, but I, I just, I, I see us parting ways and just finding another another goal scorer because who knows, because Saverino might possibly be going back to Brazil or maybe somewhere in South America. South America. So those are two key players that we need to find replacements for at the end of the season. Well, we certainly have a few games to play before the end of this season. And my final question to you is, what are your predictions for RSL throughout the rest of this 23 season? Yeah, so I see us getting into the playoffs. I, I see us maybe four, fifth seed. Um, so hopefully, hopefully that home field advantage. So the fourth seed. Um, I see us maybe sneaking out of the first round, but getting getting knocked sec- second round. So it'll be a, a decent season. So, but out of the first round, and then getting knocked second round in the playoffs. Well, there you have it. RSL goes out in the second round of the 2023 Audi MLS Cup playoffs brought to you by Mr. Marcus Pickett. Marcus, before we send you <laughs> home for the day, can you tell us a little bit about the RSL Bros, where fans can find you, what your content is focused around, and uh, just uh, plug your show, sir. Yeah, so RSL Bros are just my brother and I, Alan and I. We have started back in May. So two bros that have been following RSL since the very beginning, since 2005. And you can find us at um, X, so Twitter, Instagram, all the social media at the RSL Bros, where we have up-to-date RSL content, as well as uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, folks. Once again, this week's opponent correspondent from the RSL Bros has been Marcos Pickett. You can follow him at mpick10. And please give our friends over at RSL Bros a follow at the RSL Bros. As always, this has been Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. You can give us a follow at LAFC S2S on all your social media platforms. And we'll be right back at you next week with a recap of this RSL game. Marcos, thank you so much for coming and joining. Sincerely appreciate it, brother. And with that, folks, we will catch you on the next episode. Take us home, Sticks.